Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Sadlin. How's it going, man? Ben, um, I just want you to know that you're kind of like my podcasting hero, because you came on to this thing, my voice is not 100%, but I'm just going to give this a go. And you know what? That hello, hello, hello introduction was pretty solid. I give it like, you know, a solid 8 out of 10 stars. And I think that was a pretty solid one, all things considered. Not my best, but but very happy with it considering the conditions. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty much. It's like um, it's like you it's like you ran a PR like running into a headwind. Um, so I I think wow, that's really that's be, high praise right there. Yeah. Let me rephrase. It's like running an indoor PR, uh, <laughs> like but somehow also <laughs> running into a headwind. <laughs> so. Um, but other I like than that. that, I just I'm just never going to be as talented as you now, and I think I'm coming to that realization. Well, we all know that's not true, but I I appreciate it. Um, well, we did have at least one listener who felt that way about us and gave us one extra rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We're up to 22, one behind Spotify's 23. The race has gotten extremely close. And we're going into the outdoor season where we might get a little bit more buzz. A few new yep. followers might come about. We might see some dramatic shifts. Hopefully we will in these ratings in the next few weeks. Yeah, I actually think we're going to rally quite a bit. I mean, not only that, but if it's not in, in the spring, then it's obviously going to be in the summer and fall. Oh, yeah. You think where the summer would be like the worst time of the year for the site? It actually turns out to be the best time of the year ever because we're the only ones who actually like- I was about know, to say, we're the only store anything. in- Yeah. <laughs> we're the only store in a, in a pretty much a, an empty town. So, um, but Ben, outside of that, thank you to everyone, by the way, for leading, uh, leaving a rate- a rate and review. I can't even talk today. And I'm the one with the regular voice. Um, but leave a rate and review, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, comment, five stars, the whole shebang. Ben, where do you want to start today, man? So we had Raleigh Relays and Texas Relays this weekend. So we'll get to those in a second, but wanted to highlight some results from across the other meets over the last week or two. Uh, we saw Ayman Zahafi run a 147 in the 800. Sarah Hendrick uh, moving up in distance, running a 418 in the 1500. Saw Duncan Hamilton throw down an 843 in the steeple, and Riley Ozen also run an 844 in the steeple. Some quick times, um, but nothing that really is super surprising. These are all talented runners. Uh, anything that you feel like you need to add to these performances? No, I really, I, I really like want to pull something out of this. I mean, they're all really strong and and impressive marks. But I don't think not like any of those performances were, you know, unexpected or in the category of surprising by any means. I think they very much, you know, chalk it up to, hey, if you know, if you were expecting them to, you know, run this fast or this slow, what would you think they would run? And I think for Zahafi, I would have said 147, 148. For Hendrick, I would have said, you know, just under 420. For Hamilton, I would have said probably mid to low 440s or 840s, excuse me. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's expected, and I I think you're I think you're probably on the same page. Yeah, I mean I think it's always nice to start your outdoor season well and put down a solid mark and just ensure that you're going to make regionals. But I mean there isn't it's not a surprise these are guys that competed really well during the indoor season and are just transferring that to outdoors. Yeah. So um, if you don't have anything more there, then let's start with Texas in that case. All right, let's do it. So 
we saw a lot of interesting performances, mainly in the 800s at Texas. So the first question I wanted to ask you, is Jonathan Jones now the clear second best 800 runner in the country behind Brandon Miller? I think he has to be. I think like regardless of like how good you think everyone else is or what you think about him, like he just kind of has to be. He has really given you no reason to doubt him. You know, and of course, for, for context for everyone listening, Jonathan Jones goes out, runs a very uh, fast time of 145 at the Texas Relays, holds off Texas Tech's Mohad Zahafi, as well as his teammates Creighton Carroza and Busy Mana. Zahafi was 146, Carroza was 146, Busy Mana was 147. Um, so a really, really impressive win, a super fast time. I believe a Barbadian uh, record for the 800 meters. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I just don't know who else. I mean, you could maybe argue Rivera as the second best runner, but I just think there's so much more right now and so little to dislike um, about Jones. Yeah, I mean, they went out fast, 51-5. Uh, Zahafi had the lead at the at 400, and, and Jones closed him down in the last lap. I, I mean, I think when we were talking about this race, neither of us necessarily had Jones as a high favorite, in this uh, at Texas, even though he was coming off a second place finish at indoor uh, national championships, because we really did like the tactical abilities of Crows and busy mana. But I think Jones is just showing that he's so fit that he's just going to blast through anybody that can't keep up with him. And I think that's going to go a long way to ensuring that no one can touch him other than Miller. Well, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we were both right and wrong about jones like i think the take was like oh we don't think he's as much of a favorite as these guys are if it's all about positioning where mm-hmm. busy mana historically is better at positioning and carosa is better at positioning and moad's still kind of like this new guy who we're still trying to figure out a little bit jones really doesn't have much 800 history at all he has very very little i think this is what his third or fourth probably maybe fourth or fifth 800 meter race in the collegiate level that he's ever run so i it's a very tough challenge to kind of know exactly how legit indoors was. But at the same time, we also did say, hey, you know what? If this race is all about like aerobic strength and just mm-hmm. if it's all about hard and fast from the gun, then Jones should absolutely be considered as someone who can go out there, run fast and get the win. And sure enough, that was exactly the case. Um, so I I don't really know if we were right or wrong. I think we were simultaneously <laughs> right or wrong. I, I It's a weird kind of like line to, to ride. Um, but I, I think I think we kind of, it, it makes sense when you say, oh, well, if this happens, we're right. And if this happens, we're right. right. So <laughs> I think we, we played the game very well in terms of the, the predictions. We did. But I, I think from here on out, he has to be the favorite in almost any race he's running Agreed. other than Miller, which I think is, is a big validation of his indoor performance. Um, all right, let's move on to the women's side. Question I have for you. Where did these Grand Canyon 800 women come from? Two 205s from uh, Kelly Mudry and Alexa Hokinson. I mean, unbelievable performances to split up the Texas duo of Brooke Javorski and Valerie Tobias. Yeah, um, that was really interesting. And before we go any further, I do want to note Shafika Maloney mm-hmm. running unattached. Based on last year, uh, last spring eligibility she was a senior so i guess i would think that she's out of eligibility that appears to be what the case is 
I have to go back and double check a few things. Eligibility nowadays is very odd and very weird to play around with, but doesn't look like she has eligibility. That's just based on what I'm seeing from last year and the unattached results. So everyone keep that in mind, but Maloney did win unattached. As for Grand Canyon, they were really impressive. And just like you, I was kind of like, wait, where did these two women come from? But then you go back and you take a look at their last few races and they've been running 205s. They were running 206s. You know, they went to the Western Athletic Conference. They went one, two in, you know, again, similar time range of the 205, 206 range. Started off their outdoor season strong. They've been beginning to peak, or at least they were peaking um, at the tail end of the indoor track season, translated it to the outdoor season very well, and then thrived in a field that wasn't overly fast. And they really capitalized on their fitness. And I thought that that was a really encouraging sign. For those who are maybe monitoring them, um, you know, coming into this race, this is maybe a little bit of a less of a, of a surprise. But for us, I mean, when it comes around to late February and March, we're just not, you know, looking at women who are running 205, 206s. Um, so we're just maybe not as aware of who those women are. Um, and, and that's why I think Mudry and Hawkinson uh, really uh, surprised us. And I think when you look at the results, Hawkinson's performance becomes even more impressive. She was in the slower heat um, compared to Mudry, who was in the faster heat and came in third. Hawkinson won the initial heat and basically even almost even split it, uh, 62 and 63, to run uh, her 205. And, and you got to believe that if she had been uh, – in that second heat against these better women gone out a little bit faster. I feel like we could have seen an even quicker performance from her, um, which leads me to believe we, she maybe has a 204, 203 in her in the very near future. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be uh, really interesting to watch and monitor moving forward. Um, we'll maybe, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens over there in terms of the meets that they opt to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what meets they would really try to find. Um, I'm trying to think if maybe they probably go out to California in a few cases. Um, but I'm just trying to think like what races are specifically known for the 800. I'm sure probably Brian Clay maybe could be an option for them. Um, if they're trying to con- you know continue to chase fast times. Um, but we'll see. I mean, great, great performances for them. The Texas women, Jorworski ran very well. Top uh, attached collegiate, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Tobias, a little bit of an off day. Um, again, you know, I think what fourth, uh, fourth collegiate, fifth overall. Um, and then I just think when you kind of look at that, it was a little bit surprising because just considering how good Tobias was in the postseason, and now you know she's kind of getting bumped down by maybe, frankly, a few less established runners. Uh, it was just a bit surprising. I just thought of of the women from Texas who would be emerging as the top collegiates. I thought it would be more likely Tobias than it would be Jaworski. Not that you could go wrong with either or, but was just surprised. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on. Were you surprised to not see any faster times in the 5K, particularly the men's 5K, which was won by Yasina Dalla in 1348? Yeah, I don't know... I- I think in the moment I was surprised, but at the same time, I also thought the Raleigh relays was also going to be super, super fast. And with the exception of Christian Noble, it mm-hmm. really wasn't that fast, um, like relative to what we've grown to expect. So I, I, I wonder, I'm like, okay, wait, do we need to like pump the brakes a little bit? Um, 
I, I don't know. Maybe just the, the Texas relays just weren't primed for anything faster. Um, like, I don't think Roger Rivera was even in the race. Um, like, half no. to night. Yeah, I mean, half to night did not have a great day. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised it wasn't faster. I'm a little surprised that Texas overall didn't run better. I think Abdallah did what he could. I mean, I, I don't really know what else he could have done other than run 1348. Um, but yeah, I was surprised it, it was just a, as slow as it was. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look like they had anybody pacing. I mean, Knight took the lead for, it looks like, the first 3K. Um, and then the rest of the Texas crew kind of alternated out. But, I mean, they had a bunch of other guys listed that we thought might be pacing. I, I was a little surprised to see Abdallah not be able to close down the race quite as well as maybe we expected. I, I mean, they weren't going crazy fast through 3K. I would have thought the last... 800 mile would have been a little quicker. He, he ended up closing in about a 212 to 11, um, which isn't bad. But nope. after his DMR finished, you, you would have thought he would be, he had the strength to, to finish a little bit quicker. But at the end of the day, you can't be that upset about a 1348. No, and I just, it's so early this in the season. It's March as we're recording this. Um, it's just, you know, I, I'm trying not to get, too over the top about right. certain times if, if they're slow. I'm willing to get excited about fast times um, because that's just how my brain works. But I'm also not going to just going to penalize anyone for you know moving to the outdoor track and then expecting them to be super super fast and then maybe they just come out not even flat or just just not near PR shape. You know, I'm just I'm not going to blame anyone for that. But yeah, I, I just thought in general Texas would try to make that much faster than it actually turned out to be. And it just, just wasn't, which is fine, but it was odd. All right. Well, let's wrap the Texas relays there and let's move to Raleigh. So we, we saw a lot of really good performances. Uh, we're not going to be able to touch on everybody who ran on fast times because goodness knows there was so many of them. Um, so we're going to start with uh, a few more questions. And the first one I'll, I'll ask you, what was the most interesting race on the women's side for you this weekend at Raleigh? Oh, most interesting race on the women's side. Um, <sighs> sorry, I'm going to have to take a look at it here. Yeah, I, I, I'd say probably the 1500 meters, because I think that probably told us so much more than we realized. Uh, is that Was that also what you had? Yep, that's the one I had circled. I think Caitlin Tui winning in 412. Obviously, the time isn't like blazing fast, but for her to pick up another win and another good performance after, I mean, the last like three or four weeks she's had, she's just been on an absolute roll. She kept her momentum against a very strong field um, that included Ellie Leather, who just is coming off a good performance in the mile at indoors. I, I was blown away by just how easily she took down this field. Yeah, I mean, she was really phenomenal. I mean, it's not just it's not just, you know, leather, but it's also Gibson that she took down and leather and Mia Barnett and a slew of women who are now, you know, proven up and comers in the fifteen hundred meters. You know, like I said in our preview, like, you know, I think I'm gonna take leather over Tui because I just think leather was peaking just as well as, as Tui had. And leather was much more primed for the 1500 meter slash mile distance. Whereas Tui was coming down a little bit. I think my thought process and my logic was fair, but 
at the end of the day, I even said like, Tui just might be so flat out good that she just wins this regardless. And that's exactly what happened. And so I, she has really been impressive. I, I don't know at this point what else to we have. What else can we say that hasn't already been said? I mean, she's just been great. So I'll I'll add this. She's reminding me a heck of a lot of Courtney Wayman from last year. Like the ability to run any distance and win at pretty much any distance and run good times at any distance. I think she's starting to get into that mold. And I think the scary thing is I think she could end up being even better next year than Wayman was even, even out of her most dominant last year. Yeah, I do think there's another level that she still will be able to reach after this. Like this 412 mark, what we saw is like relatively probably like not not one of her more impressive marks, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, she is like th- this mark, though, gives her versatility and shows us like, hey, even in a time where like we think she can actually run faster, she's still soundly defeated, like a really great field of established milers. That was pretty impressive. Um, But I think you also learned just a lot from this race. You know, we learned a lot more that, you know, perhaps someone like uh, like Mia Barnett can continue to be, you know, Mm -hmm. a factor on these stages. Uh, Megan Marvin, uh, she had a great race, kind of a borderline breakout race for her in a time of 4.17. Marley Stolliper returns to the track. You know, there's a lot of key takeaways. Margo Appleton, um, you know, she really kind of validated a lot of her uh, stuff from the postseason of, of the uh, indoor track season. So I just think there was a lot of validation for a lot of these women. And I just think there was a lot to like and a lot that we learned from the 1500 meters. I agree. All right. Let's talk about what race was most interesting for you on the men's side. I'm I'm going to say I'm actually going to go with something that I don't think you'll necessarily agree with. But I think I'm probably going to go to the men's 5,000 meters. I think that is actually going to be my most interesting one. Because obviously, Christian Noble, 13-24, D2, Mm -hmm. number two all time. Very fascinating stuff. Very interesting. But that field was like very confusing and very interesting. Like Kyle Mao, I had such high aspirations for, struggled in his return to the outdoor track. And the field as a whole just kind of didn't really rally and no one else other than christian noble ran under 1340 like it's crazy that noble ran 1324 and no other collegiate ran under 1340 it was just a little bit surprising to see some of these guys race and then not you know they weren't bad but i just thought that they could have been so much better like hauser and vanderels were in the second fastest heat i don't know why that was the case um i just have a lot of questions and a lot of curiosity about this 5k and i don't i i think i'm just left looking for more uh from you know the raleigh relays 5k yeah i mean it was like an up and as you scroll through the results it was very up and down in terms of how you felt about each performance obviously noble great i think green solid ben veach you might have expected a little bit more but then Dan Schaefer, I, I think I really liked his 1345 for a guy who's more traditionally seen as a miler. Thought it was a really good performance from him. And then you look at Ian Shanklin, it's like, that's solid, but not like spectacular. And, and so, yeah, I, I can understand what, what you're saying about the men's 5K. For me, I, I really, 
I mean, I, I think it's pretty cliche, but I think the men's 1500 was also just super yeah. interesting um, because Wes Porter really announced his arrival and, and I'm sure we might get to him uh, and these other questions that we have, but for him to run under 340, win the race against a, a solid field, I, I thought that was really strong. And the other performance I really liked in this 1500 was Parker Wolf. I, I think running 341, he hadn't been able to break four indoors, right? Am I correct right, in saying that? Right. Yep. So runs a time that would have converted to sub four um, and, and showing off a little bit of more of that speed and versatility that I think we both thought he had in him. Yeah, I like Wes Porter a lot. Um, you know, obviously, I think during the Ultra 2020 Cross Country season, everyone was a very big fan of Wes Porter, probably because we didn't, we, we were just very eager and hungry for results. Yeah. And so he was obviously like the star youngster who was running really, really well. Like he deserved the praise. And then as time went on, you know, he had some really solid seasons, but then everyone else just started running again. And he was maybe left a little bit underrated um, despite having a great fall and us giving him tons of attention. Um, but then, you know, this last fall, um, he wasn't great. He just really underwhelmed. He was about 50. He was DNF at the Virginia Invitational and a DNF at Joe Piani. And then he was 55th at ACC's and 55th at the Southeast region. That was not great. Um, and I think that kind of stuck with me personally as he goes into the indoor season and ultimately runs 756 for 3K and 401 for the mile. And while you want to be excited for that, it's hard to get excited for times when, you know, the, you know, a 40, you know, a, a 357 is now the new 359. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that like he, there were signs there that he was ready for a breakout race, but it, it's hard to rally around that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I I definitely hear what you're saying. In a time when all the times are getting faster, for him to be kind of just standing still, it felt like he, he took a step back. But yeah, great performance from him. All right, let's move on. Who improved their stock the most on the women's side? Mm, um, probably Megan Marvin in that 1500. Um, she just ran great. And I think you know, she was a 439 miler this past winter. She was really solid in the 800 meters. But I think this race just kind of validates a lot of different things. And it, uh, you know, should really just get us excited. And for the idea that she's going to be you know, nationally competitive in the postseason, or at least that she can be, or at least that she can chop off another few seconds and be a factor in the postseason. So uh, I'm definitely going to say Megan Marvin for that case. So I'm going to go off script a little bit and say Usla Chepkemi. I thought that her 1557 was just yet another great validation of what we've seen from her in the last few weeks. Obviously, she runs that crazy fast mile right before Nationals, runs pretty well at Nationals in the mile as well, and then comes out and runs a solid 1557 obviously this is not not like breaking any records or anything but it's another good performance for her to build on yeah i i like chip kemi but for me it was just like i i was like yeah this seems seems about right i mean i you know well i, I, don't, like, I don't know what seems about right for her i i think that's the thing like well, we, i think we i think know if you so look little at her, 
Yeah, but if you look at her best performances from the NCAA Indoor Championships and, of course, that last chance meet, yeah. I don't... I think if you look at that and you'd say, oh, she's going to run this in the 5K, and I'd say, yeah, that seems about right. Like, for me, I'm just I'm just kind of looking at that and I would say, yeah, it seems about right. I thought the 5Ks in general across the board, I think the women's 5K was still a little bit better than the men's. Yeah. But I also thought the women's 5K was generally a little bit on the slower side. I thought we were going to see faster times and we just mm-hmm. didn't. And delay was great and even Bush was as well. But just the rest of the field, I thought we were going to see like 20 sub 16s and we saw 10. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because like the 10Ks were great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was just one of those things. But yeah, I'm just getting off topic and, and ranting now. So, but yeah. All good. Who improved their stock the most on the men's side? Um, I'm going to go a little off script, or maybe this is not even that much off script. I, I think, well, well, who's yours? Because I think I think I already know who yours is. This is a pretty easy answer. It's a toss for me. Up. Yeah. I think Aaron Las Harris. Yeah. His not only did he run an incredible 10K running 28-13, but he also ran 341 in the 1500 the day before, which is just like crazy I, that he even attempted that and ran as well as he did in both. I I just think he vaulted himself into a completely different stratosphere in terms of where I see him among the NCAA's elite. Yeah, he is. I mean, like, there's no question he is the biggest winner of this entire weekend, men's or women's. Like, he just he just is. Um, he was phenomenal. Um, I, me, if you had to say, like, okay, well, who else then? Right, because Aaron Lasseraros mm-hmm. is, like, so very clearly the, the top, the top uh, name here. But I would have said Matt Wilkinson in the steeplechase. Yeah. That 839 was great, and we knew he was a great steeplechaser. We we knew that. And we knew how great of a star he was at the D3 level. But he took down a very good field. And, oh, by the way, he fell. And, oh, by the way, his teammate Alec Bastin could be argued as a title favorite for this year in the steeplechase. He ran – he was so strong over that final hurdle, runs 839, and he was, like, pumped afterwards. You could see he still had a little extra in the tank. After falling, people are like not remembering this. He fell. Like when you fall in the steeplechase, you're usually done. Usually. 90% of the time you're done. And that was just, for me, it was like, whoa, that's a statement race. It's not just like a, oh, you're good for D3. It's like, no, he's he's good for D1 and then some. Yeah, that was the one result when I looked at it. I was like, this, this isn't right. Baston <laughs> got beat by another Minnesota guy, I was like, they they must have like swapped those, but and so for him to come out this strongly and beat not only the rest of this field, but like you're saying, Baston, who I think we both really really like and yep. think is going to after not being able to compete attached for Minnesota indoors, we really have high expectations for him this outdoor season and for Wilkinson to make it look easy despite falling. I, I was blown away by that, and I think he puts himself among one of the top few favorites in the country for the steeplechase at this point. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard not to get carried away with, you know, March performances, mm-hmm. but, but there was a level of like, oh, this guy is crazy good. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard, again, with 
Tripos, uh, Tripos of Princeton still out there and uh, Baston, of course. And there's probably going to be, you know, a few other names that I'm not thinking of. Maybe I'm a Jaziri, mm-hmm. um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. It's he's a guy where I'm like, maybe, maybe like right now, I think he, I, I have a hard time saying that he's going to be an All-American lock, especially, I don't, you know, barring any falls. I think I'm right on the line of saying he's an All-American lock, though. Which is crazy to say in March, but I, oh, I feel similarly. Like, I mean, that these are the kind of things that you get in trouble saying when it's this early in the season. But, I mean, as long as he stays healthy and doesn't fall, like you said, I feel extremely comfortable with him and Bastard being All-American locks. Can we talk about – I'm going to just randomly switch us – can we talk about the men's 10K? Because I Let's, just feel like... Oh have, my gosh. Yep. Yeah. I feel like we have to just talk about this right now. So for those wondering, last year was a historic year for the men's 10K mm-hmm. when it came to men under 29 minutes uh, who at least ran it for that event. I don't know what the specific total number was relative to that. I have to go back and check, but it was historically fast. Last year, Raleigh Relays had five. Five men run under 29 minutes in the 10K. Just super fast. I estimated this year it'd be nine, more than double of last year in what was already historic uh, season last year. I think that seemed that seemed fair. Instead, it was 19 men across all divisions that ended up running under 29 minutes in the 10K. Ben, what was your initial number of sub-29 guys going into this and then your reaction especially when you're looking at some of these names yeah i mean i probably would have had a little closer to 10 or 11 but yeah i i mean i couldn't believe it i mean like the you look at the first like nine to ten names and you're like all right that that makes sense these these guys have the capability we've seen Barry Keane run fast Kyoko obviously I think Brian Fay we both thought would run well in the 10k if he did run it but then you start getting to the back end of these guys I I mean Kurt Eckstein's run well on the cross course but to run 2854 um DJ or CJ Ambrosia 2855 I I mean it was crazy and I'll have to shout out uh one of the guys I ran with at Charleston Southern Micah Gilpatrick running 28.52. That was a huge performance to go along with his teammates 28.25 for Gal Curtin. I was blown away by this field. And it's not just that, like, oh, there were so many guys under 29 minutes. There was a lot of guys, like, under 28.40 and under 28.30. 30, And I'm looking at these, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I figured, okay, fine, if it's going to be a deep year, like, maybe all these guys are going to be just fumbling in under that under that 29 minute threshold. But like some of these guys are just running like insanely quick times. Like all of these guys running under 2830. I remember like last year when uh, Adrian Wildshoot ran like in the 2820s, I was like, yeah, that's just like, that's just a time that one of the more elite distance runners run. And not that any of these guys aren't nationally competitive, but they're not would... someone who's finished second at NCAA cross country before. Exactly. Like I'm not putting these guys in the same conversation as Adrian Wildshoot. I'm just not. And so it, it's really fascinating to see like some of these guys like Acer Iverson. I was like, this guy could run in the 2840s, 2824. Andrew Alexander, this guy could maybe just barely crack 29 minutes, 2824. Uh, Brian Fay has a little bit of a good 10K background, but Fear Gall Curtin again, 2825. Um, 
Yeah, I thought he was going to be in the 20, 2850s range if he was going to crack. Not a surprise for me. I, I, I believe that Curtin is going to run that fast. Yeah, well, Ben, Ben is just the more of a TSR pro than I am, and he just knows. <laughs> I had some inside knowledge there. <laughs> yeah, Strava, Strava is great, but um, and but Kira, like Kira Lum, like Kira Lum, uh, Lum ran twenty eight twenty five after a season where he was injured the entire mm-hmm. winter. Like, how do you build a base, or at least he was not competing the entire right. winter? But when you have something potentially hampering you enough where you're not competing, and then you somehow still have a good an, a good enough base. To then run twenty eight twenty five in the ten k in March, that is bizarre. Like that's inc- again, and he has great long distance uh, credentials just like Faye does. But twenty eight twenty five is like that. That's pretty impressive considering that this guy was not even competing due to an injury uh, during the winter. And, and I know I'm not the guy to be talking about this because my knowledge is very limited. But holy smokes, did D two show out? I mean, yeah. Isaac Harding, 28-25, John Lucas uh, Beckert, 28-27, Tanner Chata, 28-46. We saw Blake Jones, 29-01. I mean, these are insanely fast times for any division. And then you, you talk about how many of those guys ran fast from the D2 level. I, I was blown away by those performances as well. D2 ran really, really well. Um, and D3 was has also been strong this year, but D2 really... Has made like has made a major splash. I think much more relative than D one or D three. Um, and I think if this was one of those things where it's like, yes, I could see Harding going under twenty nine. I could see Becker right. going under twenty nine. I could see Chada, but I didn't a think all three of them would, and b didn't think they would all run as fast as they did. Um, and that's like the big kicker here that everyone has to remember. It's not the fact that your person or your runner, whoever it was ran under 29 minutes it's that they and all these other benchmark individuals also ran under that and oh by the way they also shattered the mark by x seconds um so that that's what was surprising to me and i think the important thing and this is going to sound like almost like a debbie downer in a way but the the important thing to do is with these early season races from guys that like you said aren't at the absolute top level. I mean, maybe some of them will enter that this year, but we also have to remember if these guys are running in the 2018s or 2820s, that doesn't before we could have said, Oh, well they're all American locks in this event. Right. No longer can we say that because we're going to see a bunch of people probably in the next few weeks run under 28 and we're going to have to get used to that a sub 28 is going to be something that we're going to see not just once, but multiple times. And those are going to be the guys that are more of the all American locks than even these guys who just ran these crazy, crazy fast times. Stanford invite coming up. Yep. Stanford invite. So that watch out for that. We'll try to do, I think we're going to do a preview for that. So watch out for that on the site. We also have some like really cool stuff coming up on the site. I've got some, I've got some good, you know, me a little transfer talk, you know, a little other uh, project we're working on. So, something fun for the next few days. So keep an eye on the site for that. Um, women's 10K, because I think we have to acknowledge the women's 10K. Yes. Um, it, it just, it wasn't admittedly as crazy as the men's, uh, mainly because there's probably a nice, a nicer, more you know, round number there. But we still saw 16 women, 15 collegiates run under 34 minutes. And that's pretty darn quick i did think we were gonna see a few like one or two maybe three uh sub 33s we only saw the winner at 33 minutes 
Um, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here, if if I do say so myself. Um, I was very right about two things in this race. This this past weekend, I was like either really on point or I was so wrong, I should be embarrassed and just, you know, never come out of my room. The two things that I was right about is that A, Gianna Corzo was going to finish like fifth, sixth range. I think I said sixth, she was fifth. And that she was going to be much better than some people realize she was. At least I think so. And then two was that Feggins was going to win this race. And she did. And for me, it's when you go down this field, there are, it's easy to get overwhelmed by how many crazy talents there were. There were so many established long distance stars in this field who looked like perfect names to really mix it up and make things interesting. But each woman like had a little bit of like a caveat to them, you know, like they had like a, oh, they're probably better in this distance than this. They don't have a personal best that's that fast. They don't really have any experience in the 10K. Their racing tactic isn't, you know, isn't beneficial to finishing high in a certain race. Fagans had zero downside in my eyes. And I think that's kind of reflected by her win in a 33 flat time, not a personal best, but I think if if she really begins to like pick up momentum, she can be a very, very dangerous name in the 10K. Um, I know it's like, again, like Ben said, it's scary to make All-American predictions uh, in March. But this win was bigger than just, oh, a really nice one and a good time for Fagans. I think this is like a, again, borderline All-American lock. Borderline. See, I'll I'll push back a little bit on that because I think she was she was consistent and had a solid performance and that shone through a lot more, I think, in this race where we saw a lot of people maybe not run at their best. The Haas twins just didn't have the best day. Um Haley Herberg, not her best performance as well. And and so it's hard for me to, I mean, Fagans did what she was supposed to do. She ran a solid time and won the race, but it's hard for me. But I feel like that's what she's always done. She's always been consistent, solid performer, if not like someone that you can pencil in to score points for you at every national meet. And so I don't know if we learned as much about her. I think we just saw her stand out for her consistency, which is something we've already kind of seen from her before. Yeah, I and I'll push back out you know I'll, I'll push <laughs> i'll push back on that as well i think when i take a look at in her ten thousand meter marks as i take a look here okay so she does have a, a good bit of oh that's why because oh yeah yeah so she only she's not that experienced in the 10k on the outdoor oval mm-hmm. last year she only had two races and oh by the way her first 10k ever according to tifers she won that race she won the acc title in the 10k over a pretty good field, like Purity Sanga, mm-hmm. Dominique Claremont, Amanda Vestry, Gianna Corzo, some really solid talents. Now this year, she goes out, she beats a better field at the Raleigh Relays. Um, you know, I don't, she doesn't even run a PR. Like, I still capable, think she's capable of doing more. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the 10K is her best distance. I think that she just hasn't had enough reps in, in the event yet. And so I think when she goes to the 10K and she uses this to build momentum, she can be the All-American that, you know, she can reach the same level that she was back uh, during the fall uh, when she was an All-American 12th place finisher. I forget if that was in the fall, if that was in the winter. I have to double check on that. 
Uh, it was in the winter, winter. Look, it wasn't the winter, winter. So, okay. um, so I do, I, I think, I think there are signs is all I'm going to say. Yeah. And I agree. I, she's been a fantastic runner for many years. I just am curious to see what she does when she go up, goes up against some of the country's elite when they're throwing their fastball. Like, I, I think that'll be interesting because she, she sat on the change up and hit a home run. If I'm going to continue this metaphor, um at raleigh so um is there any other races that we didn't hit i know we didn't talk about the women's steeple um we saw lydia olivier uh run 1001 anna hillway uh run 1004 mia nahum 1005 um solid performances from all of them but i i didn't have too much on this race in particular no, I, I don't think there's much there. There's admittedly not a whole lot on the 800. Esther Sealand deserves a shout out, winning in 205, uh, repping D3 very well. Uh, mm-hmm. She she took home a really nice win there. We talked a little bit about the 1500. I, I, I think you know, these are great marks. We've talked about some of them, but John Petruno, 340 is a great mark for him. Martin Pardanov uh, of Missouri, uh, another 340 mark. That's great. Jonathan Schwinn, 341. Nathan Green, 341. And Connor Murphy, 341. You start going down these lists, though, it's it's, it's kind of expected. A few of these other guys are, are pretty it, – it, it's expected. I don't, I don't know what else to say other than that. I do think that the the men's steeplechase it does it deserves a little bit of a mention to talk kind of talk about the the back end mm-hmm. of that group because I think there were some really solid names like uh, Josh Higgins running a uh, eight forty four yeah like that's a really solid mark and I, he's been so consistent throughout his entire career and every year he just gets a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and I'm like waiting for him to like really stand out. It's like really being nationally competitive. He's a guy that like, he's not really going to be nationally competitive in any race other than the steeplechase. But I think there's enough history there for us to look at this result and say, huh, he could be a name to watch in the postseason. The The men's steeple is just an interesting collection of guys um, from a variety of different backgrounds. I mean, we saw Sam Affolder, um, who we haven't seen a whole lot of during his wa- short Washington career around 849. Uh, his teammate Joe Wascom running 847. Um, I think one of the more su- bigger surprise results was in, in the second fastest heat was Benjamin Dresick, uh winning that and running 846 um, pretty much like on his own, winning by five yeah. seconds over Tony Banos from Cincinnati. I, I thought that was a good, good result. And I'm curious to see what he can do uh, as he steps up a, a level in terms of uh, the pace of the, of the next race season. Yeah, yeah, and there's a few other guys there where I'm like, I'll be kind of interested to see what happens to them moving forward. Like, Albert Kosge, not his best day, no. 8.55, and I don't know, maybe if he was just not on camera where maybe he took a tumble, I, I don't know. Um, but I'll be interested to see kind of what he does. Like, you know, he's another one of those guys, and we have saw this last spring where a lot of guys were running super fast sub 840 marks, like even in the low 830s, but then they weren't even advancing past, you know, the regional meets, right? Yep. And I think there is a, the, the steeplechase, yes, it's because you can like fall on the obstacles. I like, guess I get how variable that is. But I also do think that running fast marks are less relevant than winning good steeplechase marks to an extent, to an extent. To an extent. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of that regional stuff, too, is also, like, everybody's peaking at that point. And you're, at least on the east side, you're in the hot sun of Florida, and every and it's not a tactical race normally with the steeple, where you don't, you aren't able to conserve as much, and, like, you can get found out pretty quickly in those kind of races. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying if the, if the faster races, like, I, I don't think that the 5k or maybe like the 1500 of the 5k for instance if you run a really fast time and you put yourself near the top of the national ranks of your even of your region you usually have a pretty good idea that that runner is probably going to be a somewhat of a factor in the uh, postseason not always Mm -hmm. but last year i remember seeing you know guys like running like the mid to low 830s and being like and and sure enough, and and that's what happens. Again, some of it is because you know you can get tripped up, and once you go down, you're pretty much done. But there's also guys where it's just like it's just hard to like do that consistently. Yeah, and it's also hard to like you you can't hide your fitness in the no. steeplechase. You just can't. No, uh, not, not there, in tactical races. Yeah, there's no tactical races in the steeple at regionals. Generally, you're everybody's running pretty close to their PR or PRing. At, at regionals which is always one of the most impressive races to watch um all right should we wrap it there is there anything else we didn't hit no i apologize to anyone who we didn't touch on i really feel bad for not like being able to like talk about those entire fields like they they were really um impressive but um ben that's all i've got um keep a uh keep an eye on the site We've got, gosh, what I'm trying to figure out. We've got some transfer news coming up. We're probably going to do a Stanford invite preview. I'm trying to think what else. We've got a little something coming on on Saturday, just something different, a little fun. Um, and then, uh, obviously, we'll be back to recap it. Uh, we'll start up uh, outdoor rankings. If not next week, then maybe the week following, um, and we will uh, be ready. So I'm excited. Um, I can tell you long-term, a lot of exciting things are happening behind the scenes. We are working on a few uh, pretty cool things. Again, long-term, but uh, thanks for sticking with us. And Ben, do you have anything? No, but I I think I might have to, we might have to bring up the rankings um, on the podcast, outdoor rankings. Uh, We didn't really do that a lot during the indoor season because we had so much results to go on, but I might might have to get out my uh, red pen and and start looking through those rankings and, and critiquing them a little bit. Yeah, um, we'll see. It won't be the first time that I fail a test. Um, So it won't be the first time I get an F. But um, all right. Well, Ben, uh, is that all you got? That's it. Until next week, Garrett. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.